Rusty Quill presents. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. With my tapes. With your tapes? In a bin of tapes. A bin of tapes? Yeah, a bin of tapes. Cole, how many cassettes do you have? I I don't know, a few. A few? Okay, I'm sorry, are we playing 20 questions? The situation demands questions. Yeah, about the VHS, though. Are you going to answer them? Questions about the VHS? Well, yeah, if I ask any. Well, I don't know anything about the VHS, okay? Well, that's my point. Alright, point taken. So... Bins of cassettes. Yes, like I said, a few. Cassettes? No, Mark, bins. Jesus, Cole, why do you have us reading any of them at all, then? I don't know, I figured I'd bring them out when everyone went on vacation to keep things rolling. I mean, sure, but come on. Okay, I will. Oh, jeez, just wanted to, I don't know, establish familiar voices first. Fine. It's just a lot of work. Okay, Mark, well, I appreciate you and everything you do. Yeah, yeah, whatever, likewise. Okay, so was there a copyright or a serial number or... No, no copyright, but there is a serial number. Okay, and did you Google it? Come on, of course I Googled it. And? Nothing. You Googled it with the MK thing? Yes, I tried the serial number followed by the MK auditor tag. And nothing? Yeah, it actually came up with literally nothing. Not even... Like a random blog post or some online store or... Nope, nothing. Well, that's suspicious. Cole, how often do you Google something and it returns zero search results? I don't know, not often. Well, when was the last time? Aside from this. I don't know, I I can't remember. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I guess the library would be the next stop, but... Honestly, I don't even know what to look up. Well, it goes without saying, I assume, but 
Did you search the rest of your storage bins? The ones with cassettes, of course. Any keepaways? Keepaways? Yeah, you know, from your childhood or something like that. Why would anything related to this be in my childhood keepsakes? I don't know. It's worth checking, though, right? Sure, I guess so. Well, where else would it have come from? Someone mailed it in instead of a cassette? I don't know, it's just a stylized entry, maybe. No, you would have remembered receiving a VHS. It's a bit different than a tiny cassette case. Mmm. Cole, what the hell is going on? Jess, you think she was taken? Ah, oh, not now, man. Why would the police think she made it up? Mark. I mean, is she well? What do we even know about her? She's... She's... Dee's girlfriend. Yeah, and what else? Mark. She's a writer, right? Maybe she's making this whole thing up as a story or clout or for notoriety or... I don't know. Oh, come on. We're recording. She can't hear any of this. Now I'll have to scrub the damn tape. Recording? Uh... Cole, when did you start recording? When we started talking about the VHS. Okay, so you'll delete it? Yeah, I'll just record over it. Okay. Good. Good. So, let's start over. Well, wait a minute. Mark! No, I'm serious, Cole. The listener. This VHS MK auditor, the Echoes, what the hell even are Echoes? <laughs> Jess... Her... Uh... The alleged abduction. Oh, come on, man. Look, all of this, I'm just so confused. I'm just... Always confused. None of this makes sense. Is it all related? Am I being paranoid? Are we all just working each other up? Is it pure circumstance or conspiracy? Look, I'm getting overwhelmed here, man. And I'm scared. Aren't you scared? I... I don't know. It's... I don't know. It's understandable to be scared. Cole, none of it really makes sense, does it? No, not really. So why, then? Why what? Well, you said it yourself. Maybe this isn't a good idea, the podcast, all of this. When do we call it quits? I don't know, not sure. You've thought about it, though, right? I mean, yeah, sure, I've thought about it a bit. And? I don't know, do you want to call it quits? Look, that's that's not what I'm saying. Okay, well, at what point do we quit? Because I think we crossed that bridge a while back, don't you? I think it's time to stop harping on the topic and move forward with it, whatever happens. Harping? Cole, I don't think it's harping when it's a life or death consideration. Okay, well, I mean, we've been through this, what, two times now? This would be the third? It's never too late to just say enough. If I didn't have this, what would I be doing? Or you, what would you be doing? Or D? Well, the same thing we were doing before, you know. Yeah, and what was that, man? Working, sleeping, eating. What exactly were we doing that was so fantastic? I don't know about you, man, but my life hasn't panned out the way I thought it would. The more we work, the less we see one another. The lonelier we get, the more we buy to make ourselves feel better. The more we have to work, the work is never filling, it's not great. It's counting seconds till you're off. 
I... Well... I, I guess you're not wrong. Life's a lot less fair than we thought it would be. No, it really isn't fair, is it? No, it's not. It isn't as simple as do the school and get the job and buy the house and the house prices skyrocket and the jobs pay terrible. If you can even get a job after university, or even afford to take the time to look for the job when you're racing against the interest of the debt you took to learn to do the job that no one will hire you to do. At least we're scared together, right? Yeah. So? So what? What do you say we knock one out and go for lunch? You know what? We haven't done that in a while, have we? No. No, we haven't. But it is Wing Wednesday. Oh, I could go for a pound of hot wings right now. Cole, do you think... Do you think we'll always be friends, or do you think we'll just... You know... Fade out. I don't know. Felt like we were fading out before all this. Yeah, we, we were, weren't we? Friends you make as you get older just aren't the same. <laughs> if you even make any. This is Entry 008. Author is unknown, but it's been titled More Human Than Human. Uh, it is accompanied by a slew of newspaper clippings, sensational titles, true crime articles, that sort of thing. Just stuffed in the envelope alongside a cassette tape. But the cassette tape is damaged beyond repair. Likely left in for courtesy's sake. The first time I saw a thing die... It was a man. It wasn't what I expected. The color drains from the skin, like water leaving a jug. It's visible and moves in a wave as the blood settles to the lowest point in the body when there's no pressure to pump it elsewhere. And the air. It escapes the lungs in one final agonizingly long whisper of a wheeze, and the body deflates to a shape that looks almost as if it had never been human at all, but just a suit that something made of air and energy had once worn. The first time I saw death was a confusing moment. I was unsure of how I should have felt then and there. I contemplated the possibility before, but in that moment staring into the dim, disconnected eyes of a dead man, eyes that I knew would soon sour and deflate like rotten grapes, I felt no singular emotion. When it had happened, the pupils widened, and I felt curious at first. But curiosity subsided as the natural panic began to settle into my bones. That panic turned to a manic anxiety which sent my limbs twitching and shaking and tremoring seizures of overstimulation. And as the last electrical impulses seized through the man's body, almost in time with my own adrenaline-filled fidgeting, the anxiousness gave way to... excitement. His blood had made it all the way down to the hilt of the knife and nestled in between the well-worn lines and grooves of my hand which still gripped it tight. And I'll tell you something right now. There's something about blood. Seeing blood. It's never the same when it's your own. 
so I had no way of anticipating this mass spilling of his and how it would make me feel. It was exhilarating, if you want the honest truth. I felt like a wild animal, stalking my prey not just the night I killed the man, but for the weeks ahead of time. See, I hadn't planned to kill. Not initially. I had just wanted to watch him go about his day, see how close I could get while clutching the knife in my pocket, and him none the wiser to the imminent danger he was in. This man had no sense that his life was being threatened. Not when I'd followed him on his nightly walk into the park. Not when I'd slipped in through his back door, eaten the food from his fridge, and stood over him watching him inhale and exhale deeply in his sleep. It was while I watched him sleep that my grip on the knife felt like something much more than a hypothetical danger. I could do it then. Kill him. He was so close, and yet I wouldn't. His chest raised and fell. Watching him wasn't just fun. Sometimes it was sad. His life was a cycle of self-medicating to moderate the semblance of normalcy he desperately craved. Ambien to sleep, caffeine to wake up, Adderall to focus, and once again, Ambien to sleep. And while he was in that Ambien-induced sleep, I watched as his body moved of its own accord, regulating his temperature because his body knew what he needed by kicking the blanket off his foot dangling over the side of the bed. I teased myself just slightly then, removing the knife from my pocket and grazing it broadside against the rough pads of his feet, tickling him just ever so slightly to see if his foot retreated once more to the safety of the blanket. It didn't. So I turned the blade, rotating my wrist, and sliced the callous meat just a little, just the smallest nick. He'd never know it was me. No one would ever know it was me. I thought about it, what it would be like to kill. The idea had never been appealing but it had never been repulsive to me either. The man whose home I trespassed in, whose sleep I watched, whose blood I had first seen trickle from a small nick I'd made on the heel of his foot, was barely functional, though. He couldn't sleep without drugs, couldn't wake without drugs, couldn't care enough to finish his daily tasks at work without drugs. He wasn't like me. He was suffering. And I was thriving because I had purpose. I was achieving an understanding of the human condition beyond morality. I was becoming more human than human. It was while I watched him sleep that I realized what I had to do. End his suffering. It wasn't a quick decision made in the night. No, I went back time and time again, each time white-knuckling the knife in my hand, imagining what it would be like to feel the steel slide into him with the reverberation of dense bone feel the same as the plucking of a tendon or the sawing of fat? Or would it all be the same to the razor-sharp blade in my hand? On the final night, I slipped through the back door. It was never locked. 
I carefully tiptoed up the stairs, avoiding the banister, which loved to groan under the slightest weight. That night, I had the strangest, most intense empathy for the man, and I stood over him, staring down. And I knew it. Watching him sputter and snore in his sleep, he was ill. A cold, perhaps, but even more reason still. It was euthanization. It was humane. It was kind. I knew what it was to be human more, perhaps, than any other person alive. I knew what it was to hold a life in my hands, the weight of it. I'd felt that weight each night following him and watching him as I held the knife in my hand. I knew the responsibility of withholding my impulse to murder and maim. I, I could do it while he slept. The man would feel nothing, his mind too far away in slumberland to comprehend. He would feel no fear. He would barely feel pain, and I would end his suffering because I knew if he had the courage, he'd likely do it himself, and I would be his courage. I would end his suffering. I would slip. I slipped. And it was over. Just like that. While he slept. His eyes did open. And he rolled into the blade after it had gone deep enough to do its job. His arms thrashed. No, they reached out. He was looking to hug me. To thank me. Just as his eyes finally focused, he was gone. It comforts me to know that he knew what a kindness I'd done to him. I'm glad he could look me in the eye. Honestly, it was a relief because I was afraid we wouldn't get to share that moment with one another. It's such a rare moment. I was afraid I wouldn't get to feel the blood run free and see the eyes dim. I was afraid it wouldn't be everything I'd hoped it would be, but it was. It was terribly fantastic. I, I think I'd like to help another person now. Yes, I'd like to help end someone else's suffering very soon. Because being human can be terribly difficult. I see that. Trust me, I see the crystal clear truth of it. Because I've become more human than human. Why that story? What do you mean? Why did you choose that story? I don't know, it just looked interesting. And that's it? What's wrong with it? Uh, nothing. Uh, nothing. I just, it's just, you know, it, um... Oh, just say you don't like it. Uh, no, some, just, no, never mind. I'm just paranoid. I wouldn't say that. Just, uh, look, I'm just looking for meaning where there is none. Okay, man. Well, on that note, I think it's time to get out and touch some grass. And chicken wings. That's right. Hot wings and blue cheese dip. Say... After we partake in Wing Wednesday. Yeah? Uh, what do you say we... What do you say we drag some of those bins of cassettes over to the shed? Uh... There's a lot. Yeah, I think I'd like to give them a look through as well, though. Mm, really feels like you're not saying something right now. There's... 
There's just an itch in the back of my brain. It's probably nothing. Tiny Terrors is an anthology horror podcast produced by Pulp Audio and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. This episode was directed by Cole Weavers, with sound production and editing by Mike LeBeau. To find additional information or to join our Patreon for additional content and ad-free episodes, visit our website, www.tinyterrorspod.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Tiny Terrors Pod. Or join the Pulp Audio Discord by clicking the link in the description below. Rate and review us on Spotify and Apple. And finally, thanks for listening. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.